0: Are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey, what's happening everybody? Excited to be talking to Jeff Dini of Pro Football Focus today. A lot of numbers. We're gonna be talking about all the new 49ers and free agent signings and how they fit on offense and on defense, maybe hopefully answering some questions about scheme fit and what things might look like come September. I'm your host, Brian Peacock. You can follow me on Twitter at BDPeacock. I always like to continue the conversation there. Subscribe on iTunes, rate, review the show. We're streaming on Audio Boom. You can find the stream and links to the email, all of the subscription spots and iTunes and everything over at LockedOn49ers.com. That email is LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And let's not waste any time. Let's get to our guest. All right, joining me now, Jeff Dini, friend of the show, pro football focus, 49ers media correspondent. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Jeff. Jeff, appreciate you joining the show again. I'm
0: doing good. Thanks for having me.
1: Some busy free agency period here happening uh, since the last time we talked, which is sort of, sort of a surprise. I don't know if I've ever actually, I mean, when's the last time, I'm trying to think right now, when is the last time the 49ers dipped into free agency I mean th- there was the biggest signing bulk he had was Tory Smith right there was uh, the Justin Smith signing years back uh, I think that was kind of a big year was it Justin Smith and uh did, did we bring in the corner
0: um Nate Clements Nate Clements the other guy I could think it was a big name guy Yeah
1: was that the same one or was that I can't remember if it was uh, Clements oh, or it was Rodgers
0: I think Rodgers might have been a little later but I know I mean Clements was more back in the God, I don't even know. I might have been was that the Terry Donahue time or was that more in the <laughs> McLuhan? Yeah, you know what? Nolan region. I think it might have been a McLuhan signing.
1: It might have been like, yeah, I think that McLuhan. was when they kind of showed up on the scene was the last time. I think I think it must have been Nate and Justin Smith were part of that first group that that McLuhan and Nolan brought in, right?
0: Right. I mean, like I said aside from Torrey Smith, I mean, pretty much Bulky slept through the first, you know, few days of free agency. So I mean this was a 180-degree 100, change on the, kind of the free agent philosophy of the last year. And they didn't really have a choice. I mean, they had $100 million in cap room, and this roster was just so barren that, yeah. uh, I mean, I think there's still going to be a lot of signings, more kind of depth guys and you know, bottom-of-the-roster guys are going to bring in you know with that and then the draft just so they can have 90 guys at training camp.
1: Yeah, and then a bunch of undrafted free agents, I'm sure. There will definitely sure. be some battles for the end of the roster on this squad.
0: Once the draft ends, I'm sure they're going to the phones are going to be ringing because they have. I mean, I think where well, they have 65, 67, somewhere somewhere in the mid 60s on the roster now. So you need to figure if they draft, you know, hypothetically 10 guys, that's going to leave almost close to another 15 that they need to sign between now and training camp just to fill the 90.
1: You know, what's funny? There was an interesting exchange on Twitter that I saw that uh, that I wanted to talk about. And Dan Hatman, who's a former scout and he runs the Scouting Academy now and writes for some websites, and uh, he said teams that have the best success in free agency usually acquire players that have a history with current coaches and execs. Uh, They know the player. They know how the player is wired. And I thought, yeah, that's interesting. That's exactly what the 49ers did. Like, it was all about familiarity with with all these signings that the 49ers brought in. And then Joe Banner, who was an ex-GM in the NFL, he responded to that tweet saying, is this true? My impression was the opposite. Always thought coaches overvalued familiarity uh, at the Eagles. We thought the opposite of this. So uh, even... Even team executives and former, uh, former front office people can't agree on how you're supposed to build the team. So, who the hell knows?
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> funny I actually did see that today earlier, too. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously, the case with the Niners, I think almost every free agent sign they made this last week or so was someone either who had played for Shanahan in Washington, Atlanta, or maybe going back to Cleveland, or had ties to uh, the defensive coordinator, Robert Sala. If I'm pronouncing that correct, um, yeah, solid. you know, going back to Seattle. So, I mean, almost every single one of them had, I think maybe the exception of Robbie Gold is probably the one, but he's a kicker, so I don't know if that really counts. But, um, you know, had some familiarity with one of the with one of the coaches in, in a system in the last few years. So, I mean, I think it's probably a good thing. You obviously know, one, he, he's familiar with your system, so you know what he's going to give you. And two, you know from a personality standpoint, you know, Is this guy a team leader? Is he good in the locker room? Is he going to get in trouble with the law, so on and so forth? So as long as you're not like, you know, falling in love with these guys to the detriment of, you know, not bringing in somebody else, I think it's, I think it's a good thing as long as you're doing it properly.
1: Yeah, I totally agree there. And uh, I'm just looking up the Nate Clements stuff. So Clements was 2007. Justin Smith was 2008.
0: Okay, close. So back to back years. I just remember Clements' contract was huge, and then I think he lost about a few years. Where obviously Justin Smith was one of the. God, he almost came one of the best free agent signings in Niner history. I,
1: I, he's got to be the best free agent signing. I mean, I guess, um, well, Deion Sanders, what was Deion Sanders' deal? He came for one year. That wasn't a trade, right? That They signed him on a one-year deal, and then he left? That was kind of an odd deal. That,
0: that... Yeah, he, he was a free agent. And I remember, I don't know if Atlanta let him go because of baseball or what, but I know he was a free agent signing. and he brought in, he came in week four, week five that year, I remember. I remember that first game he played with the Niners in two God, what the two, What's the what year was that they won the Super that Bowl? That was nineteen ninety four.
1: That was after. Yeah, I'm was getting old. January ninety five <laughs> after the ninety four season. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, but he came in. I think that first game was that game against Philly where they lost forty to eight, and he's got clobbered a candlestick. Um, so that might have been like week four, week five that year. Um, so he didn't even play the full season with the Niners. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, yeah, I mean, obviously it was a, a short term one, but obviously it's a big deal. They, they had so many free agents they brought in that year that helped them win the title. Going back, you had Ricky Jackson and. Richard Dent and Tim McDonald and Toy Cook and, you know, all those guys were great. But yeah, I think just as huge as Dion was on that team, and I don't know if they won the Super Bowl without him, that Justin Smith's got to be the, the the cream of the crop as far as bringing up Friesen just because of how long he was uh, productive with the Niners.
1: And how good he was, and he kind of re uh, he reestablished his career because he was sort of a – I think I looked at his numbers the other day because he was um, on mockdraftable.com. Somebody at the Combine was was compared to Justin Smith, and I'm always blown away how small he was when he came out. Of he was a he was like a right defensive end that weighed 260 something pounds, and he became wow. like a nearly 300 pound, just beastly interior guy. So kind of a crazy, and because teams always want to do that with guys We're like, oh, we'll just bulk him up and throw him inside. And and I guess you point to or uh, Justin Smith and be like, okay, well, hopefully it works out that good.
0: Yeah, and then there's the 10 caratings of the world where <laughs> it doesn't work out. Very <laughs> That's exactly
1: well. who I was thinking of. Yeah, and who's still on the
0: roster, by the way. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because now that you kind of, you know, the Leo is obviously the position for him. And, you know, we'll see if he, he can uh, get any snaps and be productive at all if he makes a roster this year.
1: All right. So let's get into these free agents. And um, I think probably the one who's going to have the biggest impact right away, well, I mean, Brian, Brian Hoyer, let's start there because he's going to start week one. Um, almost assuredly, he's going to be the week one starter at quarterback. And obviously, he his teammate with the Bears last year, Matt Barkley, who. He didn't play quite as well as Hoyer. I mean, he had some uh, flash moments where he looked good in a couple games, but overall, not 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 very good numbers there. As far as looking at the traditional stats, I believe it was um, Barkley was in the 60s with his a quarterback rating. But but Hoyer looked really good. But of course, he he got hurt again, just like the story when he was under Kyle Shanahan in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think unless you know something changes with Kirk Cousins, and that's you could probably do a whole other show later on with that. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, we're not done talking you know, about Cousins. That's somehow, for sure yeah lands with the Niners I think you know Hoyer's your starter week one I mean if they draft someone in the first round or two I don't think he's gonna be ready to go for a while so I, mean, I think Hoyer's your starter I think that was a guy all along I was thinking was probably you know if they weren't going to get Garoppolo or Cousins which I don't think even one either one of them looks like an option right now for anybody um, that Hoyer was probably the the best guy to bring in just because one like you said when he has been on the field he's been pretty productive and he's obviously familiar with Shanahan's system and I think that the interviews when when Hoyer came to Santa Clara, like a couple of days ago he was saying that that was the main reason why he signed was because of shanahan so but, like you said, you know he's had trouble staying healthy last year, you know he he had five starts and then got hurt. I think for two thousand and thirteen he had been playing pretty well for a few starts and then and got hurt and missed the rest of the season. but you know he had a 98.0 pass rating last year um he with us he had an eighty one point one overall grade, which if he had enough snaps to qualify, would have ranked him fifteenth among quarterback, so that's middle of the pack so you know, I think that's a guy, you know, if he can stay healthy, definitely a great bridge quarterback to have, have your short-term starter until, you know, that your your draft pick or, you know, is ready to, to step in or, you know, whether it's Cousins in 2017 or 2018 is ready to take over. And when he does, I think you have a pretty strong backup quarterback. So, I mean, I think that was a really good signing for the Niners. He's not getting a, a ton of money. He's kind of getting, I guess, bridge quarterback money for the most part. Definitely not going to pay as a starter, but he's getting paid very well to be a backup, so – um, I think that was a really good signing. And then the other Bears quarterback, Mark, Matt Barkley, you know, he's an interesting one. He he had a 73.8 grade with us last year, which ranked 23rd. And, you know, it's funny, you, know, you mentioned his pass rating, which I think was the second worst in the league last year. He had eight EDs and 14 picks. And, I mean, I went back and looked at some of the film and some of those interceptions were just downright ugly, just completely sailing balls past people or hitting some linebackers that were wide open. But yeah. he actually graded with us better than uh, – his stats show, like I said, he ranked you know twenty third, which you know isn't too bad. The interesting things with him, stat wise, was he definitely liked to push the ball downfield. um His average target last year was ten point nine yards downfield, which was second in the league behind uh, Cam Newton, who was was at eleven. And then sixty eight percent of his passing yards actually came through the air, so not yards after the catch. And and that number led the NFL last year. So definitely a guy who liked to push the ball downfield quite a bit. Um, did throw some bad picks. You know, his best game last year was probably against the Niners, he was 11-18 for one hundred ninety yards of that kind of snow-ice-wind weather against San Francisco late in the year. So, um, you know, he's a guy, you know, the nice thing now that you have Shanahan. You have a guy who obviously is an offensive guru, so you kind of hope that he can develop some of these quarterbacks. And if he's, you know, your backup for a little while, that's probably okay. And if he ends up being your third-string guy, you got a pretty nice young third-string quarterback to develop. So, I mean, I think both those guys are good signings, and, you know, This is a long rebuilding process. It's going to take a while. So, you know, if you don't get your future quarterback this year and you have to wait till next year, you have two pretty decent guys in the meantime.
1: Yeah, that was interesting when I was looking at Matt Barkley's numbers. I saw a stat, and I don't have it in front of me now, and I I thought I saved it, but I can't find it. But um, him pushing the ball down the field, I think out of every quarterback in the league, even more than than, uh, Andrew Luck, who everyone knows pushes the ball down the field quite a bit, and Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Matt Barkley only... Seven percent of his passing yards came from passes that went fewer than five yards from the line of scrimmage, and that ranked number <laughs> one in the yeah. league. Yeah, so it's similar to what you were saying, but just looked at a different way. And um, and I was kind of blown away by that number. And I was thinking, oh, Matt Barkley, wow, so he was, yeah, there, he was pushing it down the field, and he, he did it against 49 ers even in that weather.
0: Yeah, and the other thing with him is his grade being a little better than his stats. Is that uh, nine, a little over nine percent of his attempts were dropped by receivers last year, which was the highest number in the league last year. So he wasn't getting a lot of help from his receivers at times either. And that's kind of why his PFF grade looks a little better than maybe his pass rating did last year.
1: All right, so let's go to those pass catchers then. You've got Pierre Garçon and you've got the speed guy who's a little bit one-dimensional on the other side. But uh, if I had to guess, I think Goodwin's role across from Pierre Garçon is going to be to open things up for Pierre Garçon in the run game
0: yeah I mean Goodwin's role is is you know you go long um definitely obviously I mean he's got you know track speed, his route tree is pretty much kind of what we saw from Torrey Smith, where I mean last year ninety four almost all of his targets like ninety four percent of them were either go routes, hitch routes, comebacks or out routes, so basically all off the go route or mm-hmm. you know, so like there's no crossing routes, you know things like that um or quick you know quick screens, so on and so forth. so he like I said he's a guy he's your your big speed threat, um you know hopefully open up stuff inside. It was interesting, it was only they only converted two of twelve go routes with Goodwin last year, but they were one of them was an eighty four yard touchdown, the other one was a sixty seven yard touchdown. So but like I said, these guys got like you know Olympic track speed. So, you know, I think one thing we see between him and we'll probably talk about all their problems a little later, but I mean you know, well one two things. One, Shanahan saw the wide receiving core last year and realized this that was not acceptable and <laughs> yeah. was very active for agency, but obviously looked Definitely signed some speed guys between Goodwin and Robinson that uh, added some speed to this offense.
1: So, yeah, well, let's get to Robinson first then before Garcon because, yeah, another speed guy, uh, an undersized, quicker player. Do, do you see him pushing Curly for the slot role? Because they did resign Curly. Or do you see him more on the outside or just kind of working in there as a depth player?
0: I think he's, I mean, one, I think he's probably a little more of a depth player, but he's definitely more of an outside guy. I think the last few years, and, you know, he's a guy he was familiar with, Shannon, both in Washington and Atlanta, but. I think roughly about 80% of his pass routes are run outside. So It was fought a little bit about 15, 20%, but mostly an outside guy. Um, he averaged 18.6 yards over his career. So kind of definitely another deep threat guy, but I see him more on the outside where, uh, you know, obviously Curly is, is definitely, I think your slot guy with the, the new deal he got.
1: How do you see those, I think Logan Paulson, everybody knows he's a, he's a run blocking tight end. And I think it's, you know, bringing in a fullback and bringing in someone like Logan Paulson, you know, you know Shanahan wants to run the ball, and he and he does run the ball. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure his offense uh, is was had the most inline tight end and fullback setup in the entire league. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's at the top, but I mean or number one. But if it, it's not, it's close. Um you, know, you, you said Paulson's basically brought in to be a run blocking tight end. Um, you know, he was I think seventh on uh, his run blocking grade last year with us. I think was ranked seventh among tight ends. Um, he's had you know, a positive run blocking grade for us, I think the last four years. So another guy who, you know, familiar with Shanahan going back to Washington. Um, so he's a guy I think you're going to see in the two tight end sense, probably with like Vance McDonald when they want to run the ball, um, that you know, he'll come in to be a blocker. Because, you know, Garrett Selleck was not someone who was very good with, as a run blocker last year. So I think, you know, if, if you're, they're going multiple tight ends, especially in line, that's going to be, you know, McDonald and Paulson. And then to, to answer the other question, um, they did, um, go, I think they went two tight end personnel, I think about 20% of the time last year, I did, comparing to the Niners, I think was, they were around 20 or so. And they actually went three tight ends, like 8% of the time. So you may see even, you know, three tight ends quite a bit as well. And then going back to like, you know, run things with a fullback, you know, they had Patrick DeMarco last year and he was on the field 31% of the time. So, you know, I think, you know, my favorite signing, I think of all these guys is is you from Baltimore just because he's a guy who, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, Oh God, they gave this fullback 5 million a year, which (laughs) kind of, you know, broke the market for fullbacks, but he is so much more than that. I think he's a guy who's going to, he's also, he's a great run blocker, but he's also a great pass protector and he can be a great pass catcher out of the backfield. So one, you're going to see him as a fullback on running plays, but you're also, I think he's going to be someone who's going to be a third down back for you as well. Um, you know, with Baltimore last year, he lined up as a fullback only 32% of the time. 51% of the time, he was actually a halfback. And those are pretty much almost all passing plays where, like, they were in, like, 11 or 12 personnel, and they were throwing the ball on third down. And they brought him in as the full running back, and he either stayed in to pass block or he went out on a pass route. So they liked him very much in the passing game. I think, you know, he even lined up 8% in the slot and out wide another 7% of the time. So he's someone, I mean... I know some of the people have thrown Delaney Walker out there, but I think he's kind of got that versatility. He obviously doesn't have that the speed that Delaney Walker had, but he's someone who can he can block for you. He's gonna be a real asset in the passing game. I think he can fill that role. I know you know Sean Drone was kind of that third down running back last year. I think he's gonna take over that role, but he's gonna be a lot more effective. I think he's a great pass blocker. He's a great receiver. There's that one play, if you look on YouTube, I think it was a like New England last year where he broke about five or six tackles on a pass. Yeah, that was incredible. So He's a guy. They're gonna. I mean, Shannon is gonna find all sorts of use for him, different places to put him on the field. He also played, you know, on all the punt and kickoff uh, coverage and return units last year too. So definitely a really good special teams guy. I mean, he's. I mean, as much as I think Pierre Garçon's gonna be great for the Niners, I mean, Yuzcheck is is got to be my favorite signing by far.
1: Yeah, and I was surprised that Yuzcheck was only twenty five years old, and I think of all the signings, he's the most likely. And even though he's gonna be getting more money than any other any other fullback in the league. I think he's the most likely to actually see the end of his contract. That four-year deal, he'll still be in his 20s, whereas uh, Garcon's five-year deal, I think there's zero chance he sees the end of that one. Uh, Malcolm Smith, I think, is a similar story. I, I doubt Malcolm Smith's going to see five years and maybe not more than two years of that contract. Maybe that's why they weren't really worried about how much they're paying these guys because they were essentially shorter deals with a little bit more money on the end to make it look better for their agents. But uh, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. How do you see Malcolm Smith fitting into this defense?
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting because I think the point you make, especially with this being such a long term rebuild, I think you have some freedom you're bringing in who you're hoping are kind of peaking in maybe years three or four when the Niners are hopefully, you know, contending for a playoff burst and stuff. And then maybe you have some other guys who are just kind of short term fixes because this roster is so, you know, so barren that you can some plug some holes for a year or two. And I think, like you mentioned, use check, I think, is one of those guys that hopefully is just hitting his prime in a couple of years where well, I think Malcolm Smith is more of a short-term fix just because outside of our Bowman who missed most of the year last year, I mean, they're, they were so weak at inside linebackers. So, you know, and, and Smith was a guy, and I think, like I said, he got a five-year deal. I think he's one of those ones where it's more of a, a two-year, maybe a three-year, by you know, contract at best. But I think I, I see him probably, you know, lasting two years. He, you know, he had a first couple of years in Seattle that were pretty good. You know, obviously, in 2013, he had the pick against the Niners to seal up the title game on that Crabtree fade. He was MVP of the Super Bowl. Struggled a little bit in 2014 and then went to Oakland. Did not have a good 2015 there. He had 23 missed tackles, which I think was second most among all inside linebackers. He was a little better last year. He was pretty good against the run last year. I think he was in the top 30 among inside linebackers in our grading, but he really struggled in coverage. He allowed six touchdowns. I mean, I think he's an upgrade over – you know, Nick Ballore and Michael Woolhoy, but I don't think he's definitely anyone who's a long term solution. Um, you know, I think right now as a roster stance, he's probably your your will linebacker with you know, maybe Ray Ray, Armstrong trying to push him a little bit. But I, I totally agree with you. I think he's definitely more of a short term solution until this roster gets a little stronger.
1: Yeah, I was a little disappointed when I looked at his raids in the passing game because that's what he was billed as is you know he ran he's an undersized guy. I think he only weighed two hundred and twenty six pounds coming out of USC and ran in the four fours or something like that. So obviously a weak side is the best fit there. An off-ball linebacker at his size, he looks a little bit bigger than that now. I'd be surprised if he's not closer to 240 probably, or you know, at least 235. But yeah, for the, athletic, the athleticism being an undersized will type of linebacker, I was hoping for more in the coverage games. I think that's where the 49ers got killed was that over the middle, they just couldn't cover anybody.
0: No, I mean, I think it's just, Yeah, they're the linebackers, both in the run and in the passing game. I think, you know, Will Hoyt had had struggled in coverage, I think, you know, pretty much his whole career with the Niners. Obviously, you know, Ballore didn't have the speed to keep up with anybody either. So, I mean, when they lost Bowman last year, that just absolutely killed them on defense.
1: Uh, What do you know about Brock Coyle? As far as I know, he was mostly a special teamer. I got to be honest, when I heard the name Brock Coyle, I I had no idea who that was. I'd never even heard of him, even playing against the Seahawks. I can't remember him coming down and tackling people on special teams even. So, uh, do you have anything on him?
0: Um, not too much, but he's more of a special teams guy. I mean, he played about 120 snaps last year with, uh, with uh, the Seahawks. I think he actually started a couple games, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's another guy who's more, you know, give you some depth at that position, but probably he's going to, you know, his biggest contribution will be on special teams.
1: Oh, we completely skipped over Pierre Garcon. Let's get back to that. Let's go back to Pierre Garcon. And, uh, and I love his toughness. I love his ability as a blocker. Uh, I mentioned on the show, one of my friends is a big Cowboys fan. He said he hates Pierre Garçon. He said he's a dirty player, and that makes me love (laughs) him even more because you know if the Cowboys fans hate Pierre Garçon, then uh, that um, that makes me love him.
0: Yeah, he's probably one of those guys where he's on your team. You absolutely love him. When he's not, you absolutely hate him. I think that's one of the things I think Shanahan seems to like a lot is his wide receivers who can block. And I mean, he's definitely one of those guys. He was um, a top 15 wide receiver in our run blocking grades last year. He's had a positive blocking grade I think each of the last eight years on our site actually and I mean last year was like one of his best years as, as a wide receiver he he ranked eighth with us in his overall grade he only had one drop on 80 catchable targets which ranks second among wide receivers as far as drop rates he forced 13 missed tackles which is in the top 10 for wide receivers last year so I mean even though he's 30 years old right now I mean he had a great year last year he had over a thousand yards receiving obviously like you said he's not a guy you know probably four or five years from now he's, he's going to finish out that contract but um, I think he's definitely going to bring some leadership in the locker room, you know, help, you know, help kind of, you know, teach that system to some of the younger guys. And he's going to, the wide receiver union has been so, I mean, near the bottom of the league the last couple of years that, uh, I mean, I think that was definitely a huge signing, one, just for the production he's going to get for the next couple of years, but also I think to kind of serve as a mentor to some of these younger guys. I mean, they've, they've they got 11 wide receivers on the roster right now. A lot of them are these younger guys. So I think he'll definitely, um, you know, be a leader in addition to all the production helpers that provide the next couple of years.
1: So now that we see, we I mean, you know, maybe with some top draft picks, some guys sneak in there, but it looks like we kind of have an idea of what the starting a group is going to look like on offense. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how everyone's going to fit on defense. They might have someone who, uh, who who they draft that comes in there. But uh, how, how do you see this offense as a whole looking? I mean, is it going to be a – I don't know if they're going to have I, – I think Kyle Shanahan probably wants to run the ball a lot, and I think they're set up to run the ball, but I don't know if they're going to be – ahead enough in enough games to run that much i mean what was his percentages right. in atlanta and, and how do you think he wants it to go versus how it might actually go
0: well i think one thing you're going to see is a lot of you know a lot of play action bootlegs to get, kind of get the quarterback out of the pocket you're gonna see a lot of outside zone runs um a lot of play action they used they used play action twenty percent of the time last year which was the most the nfl in fact i mean ryan Matt Ryan averaged 11.3 yards an attempt when they used play action last year, which is just a ridiculous number. Um, and the other interesting thing with them was they were under center 56% of the time last year, which was the most in the national football league. Where The Niners were actually, I think under 10%, which was the lowest figure with Chip Kelly, obviously. So, you know, not quite as much shotgun as we're seeing around the league. Um, a lot of play action, a lot of outside zone, a lot of bootlegs. You'll see a lot of multiple tight end formations. You'll get to see, as we mentioned with you check a lot of fullbacks on the field um, you know, and, and they, you know, last year, and I don't know if it's more of a quarterback or a scheme thing, they kind of tended to target wide receivers slightly more than the league average. Um, they, you know, the white, if you were white lined up wide, you were targeted 24% of the time on average, the league average was about 22%. If you were in the slot, he got targeted about 23% of the time as opposed to 20%. It's so a little more average if you're a wide receiver. Um, and then kind of the one guy who, until they they tenored him so high was Taylor Gabriel that I really liked. And he was a guy who had 148 passer rating when they targeted him last year. And he was 10 for 10 for 130 yards on screen screen passes. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, that's 13 yards an attempt. So, I mean, that's pretty good. So it'll be interesting to see if they have one of the the speed guys, whether it's, you know, maybe an Aldrick Robinson or something, kind of in that role this year where they try to set him up on some wide receiver screens. But that's, uh, you know, that's a little different than, you know, you know, the, the tendency now these days is, you know, everyone's in a shotgun and they're run 11 personnel and, you know, Shannon's still kind of using a lot of the 21, a lot of the 12 personnel and, and still under center quite a bit.
1: So do you see anybody being used like a Julio Jones was used? Do you think that they'll target, you know, have a, have somebody like Pierre Garcon where they're moving around and, and, and trying to target him in different ways? Or do you think that Julio is just Julio and, and the 49ers might play it a little more straight with the personnel they have?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously Julio is, an exception. maybe Antonio Brown, the best wide receiver in football. So I think it's kind of somewhere in the middle. I mean, you know, if if there, if there there is going to be a Julio in the Niners' offense, it's Garcon. But like you said, it's, it's, that's a really good question. I think it's probably, the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle. We may not see until the season starts and we see how things play out.
1: If he's your best guy, I guess you probably do have to try to get some matchups there. But with Goodwin, you're not going to move him around and put him in the slot and have him running all these routes. So I guess... If you're if you're going to have somebody who can do it, it pretty much has to be Garcon.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the reason why you're hiring Shannon is he's so good at scheming guys open. So, I mean, if they're going to do it, I mean, he he's the head coach or the offensive coordinator or the play caller to have to to get that guy open. So, um, you yeah, know, I think if, you yeah, know, I, I expect Garcon, I mean, assuming they don't drop somebody else or, you know, a Mike Williams or Corey Davis, I'm expecting Garcon, obviously, to be their number one receiver and leading receiver by far.
1: A real quick question on the defense before I let you go. How do you see the defensive line shaking out, particularly the one that nobody can agree on is Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. Do you think one fits better uh, inside versus outside?
0: Yeah, this one just, yes, I'm terribly vexed here. Um, you know, it's interesting because I mean, you know, Eric Armstead, you know, especially his rookie year when he was healthy was a really productive pass rusher inside. I mean, he's got a really good bull rush. You know, we have, we have a pass rush productivity rating on Pro Football Focus, where it's it's basically a formula that takes how many you know pass rush snaps you have, and it takes your your sacks, and your quarterback hits, and your hurries, and it weighs them where the sacks are worth more and stuff, and basically spits out a rating you get. And among three four defensive ends his rookie year, he actually had a higher rating than J.J. Watt. And I know you're kind of comparing apples to oranges because Armstead is pretty much a you know situational pass rusher where where he just kind of pin his ears back and rush the pass or where JJ Watts playing every down and has to watch the run. But I mean, that kind of gives you a sign of how effective he was the pass rusher his rookie year. So because he was such a good interior pass rusher, I would kind of want to put him at that three tech position and then have Buckner be the end at the five. But I worry about Armstead against the run there. So I think my feeling is Buckner is the better three tack against the run and Armstead's the better three tack against you know, rushing the passer. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's kind of a, a base thing where you put, you know, Buckner at the three tack, and then if it's a, a passing down, you move, you know Armstead more inside. Um Flip him. yeah. I could see it going either way. I mean, I kind of lean to Armstead the three tack, but uh, and then obviously you probably have, you know, Mitchell from uh, Miami and and Quentin Dial at least as of the roster stands. Out, kind of your nose tackle guy, and then you have you know whoever at the Leo. But I mean, I, I've heard arguments both ways for for Buckner and Armstead, and then I, I think they both hold merit. So it wouldn't surprise me either way, but. I just I hate to see lose Armstead's in, interior pass rushing ability. He's such a good bull rush. If you're throwing him more outside as an end on the five tech,
1: yeah, no, I agree. That's what I thought originally that it would for sure be Armstead inside and Buckner outside because uh, as good as much havoc as Armstead would create when he's in there on passing downs, he can't uh, he can't finish the deal a lot. You know what I mean? He he he'll destroy his man, but he he doesn't have that extra gear to go make a tackle in space. And I think that's why Buckner's got to be that guy on the edge because he can go run and tackle guys. And I think you need him on the edge more so. And to me, what you do is you ask Armstead to bulk up a little bit, hopefully a little bit extra weight. And he has power. And if you're asking him to one gap instead of two gap, I think that fits what he can do inside. So I'm with you. And Matt Barrels, when I've had him on the show, he said he talked to Trent Balky about this. And obviously Balky has no say anymore. But Balky said that if they did go to a 4-3 That it would be actually Buckner inside, and it would be Armstead outside.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I know Armstead struggled especially against run last year. I mean, I think he was—you know—he had had that first week in camp where he was tearing it up, and he hurt his shoulder, and he kind of tried to play through it. I mean, I'd almost toss out his entire year last year. I mean, as far as a production standpoint, but I mean, you know, you said he had a ton of hurries. He didn't make a lot of sacks, but he had a ton of hurries. He it was very effective with the bull rush and pushing that pocket back and kind of setting up other people to make plays. So like I said, if you can, if you can bulk up and, and be good against the run and hopefully now these guys are in more of a four, three, you know, they can be a little more effective. Maybe they were, you know, the, both their rookie seasons that, um, you know, they'll kind of, you know, I don't say live up to the draft. Both of them were, were effective their rookie years, but I think, you know, there's, there's still some potential there to be tapped. So it'll be interesting to see what now they move to the four, three, uh, you know, how, how different their game is.
1: That is Jeff Deeney pro football-focused analyst and 49ers media correspondent. You can find him on Twitter, at PFF Jeff. Jeff, I got to say, impressive knowledge, remembering the Week 4 score in 1994 against the Eagles, Deion Sanders' first game with the 49ers. That's that's impressive stuff. That's why you are the guy. You have the access to those super-secret PFF stats. Yeah, just impressive (laughs) knowledge there.
0: No problem. I appreciate you having me on anytime, guys. Yeah,
1: and uh, hopefully, I mean, we'll make this a, a thing. We're going to be talking to you a lot and starting to get into these some of these prospects as we uh, get closer to the draft. So hopefully uh, you're available and come on often. Sounds good. Fantastic stuff from Jeff. Uh, it's funny, he he has access to more of the stats. I have some premium stats at PFF, but he has a, a whole different a list of things, college and pro, that he gets to look at and uh, and play around with. And also he's allowed to uh, talk about those stats. I'm kind of on lockdown a little bit. I'm not allowed to, uh, you know, they want to be in control of who's dispersing information. And there's so many people that work as analysts at PFF. They don't want people giving away stuff. And so uh, I'm not allowed really to drop a lot of these numbers around. So I love having Jeff to come on. He's got so much stuff. Dude, 1994, he remembered the score week four against the Eagles. That's ridiculous. Jeff Dini, everybody. Go follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Jeff Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Going to be back with you next week. And I'm going to do a little mock draft situation next week. So I'll be talking to Jared Mueller, who's the host of Locked on Browns on Monday, and hopefully having Brian Perez from Locked on Bears, also the Bears Wire and DraftBreakdown.com, talking a lot of draft with him next week. And he'll be picking uh, for the Bears at pick three. And uh, we'll continue on there and at least get some of the top picks out of the way and see what some of these teams behind and in front of the 49ers are thinking on draft day. Follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock, Subscribe on iTunes, rate, review the show. That always helps. LockedOn49ers.com. You can find the stream uh, there. You can also find the stream on Audio Boom. email, questions, comments, or if you'd like to sponsor the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Going to be in Tahoe this weekend, so no Friday show. We'll talk to you again on Monday on LockedOn49ers. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last, minimum three items, exclusions apply. Offer ends 103117.